I got to tell you, I'm a little emotional this morning because I got a glimpse of who God is. And I've been reminded for weeks and weeks while I've been preparing for this, what he has done for me. For years and for years, I just said, God, I want to be your servant. And he said, is that what you want? And I said, yeah, God, I just want to be your servant. And he said, okay, is that what you want? And I said, yeah, I just want to serve you. And he said, but I'd rather you be my son. Yeah, you can clap. He said, I don't want you to clean my house. I want you to dwell in it. He said, I don't want you to serve my table. I want you to join me and feast with me at my table. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are awesome. Far beyond any word that we could say. Surely far beyond my mind can comprehend. You are awesome. Lord, and all we can do is say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us your children. Thank you for redeeming us, Lord. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, my prayer this morning is that you would change each and every one of us in this place, Lord, starting with me. Lord, that you would share a wonderful truth with us this morning that we can apply to our lives. Lord, that you would help us get a, a little better glimpse of who you are so that we can appreciate more what you have done for us. Lord, change us this morning. Amen. Have a seat, please. Have a seat. So we're back in Colossians this morning, and uh, what a wonderful book, packed full of truth. And uh, if there is, and, and I don't think this is quite fair because this is Frank's sermon series, and I'm just coming in on the end of it. But if I could uh, just, my prayer is that you will take away a theme from the book of Colossians. And the theme that I have, it's been ringing through my head. It's like every, every morning when I wake up, the first thought in my, in my head and as I go throughout the day, it is Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And uh, I appreciate your amens. And I'm going to ask you, uh, tell you this morning that if you say amen, we had a guy that was here, he'd say, preach it, preacher. I love that. That was encouraging. That was not telling me that I'm doing a good job. That is you confirming that that is the Word of God and you agree with it. So, uh, feedback. I love it. It's encouraging. So, uh, you can say amen for me now. Amen. <laughs> amen. Jesus changes everything. Um, so Paul talks about uh, through Colossians, and, and let me ask you first off, I, I feel like I'm very loud. Am I too loud? No? Okay. Good job, Stephen. Um, so, um, going, through, going through the... Um, get my thoughts about me here for a minute. So, we've been going through Colossians, and uh, we, are, we are to getting close to the end of it. We're at Colossians 4. Um, We'll be looking at verses 2 through 6, but before I do that, 
what I want to do is kind of go back and give you an overview of what Colossians, uh, what, what we see in Colossians, the wonderful truth that is shared with us. Um, hopefully this truth will uh, put you in the same spot I am, that you'll have that thought, Jesus changes everything stuck in your head. And that's where I got that. Jesus changes everything, and it's in, we see through Colossians. I just want to go back, and, and uh, I'm not going to read for you um, I'm not going to read for you out of the, the verses and the passages that, that I get these from, but I just want to list out um, some things that Jesus has changed, Jesus changes uh, for us. First off, he has given us hope. That might not seem like a whole lot, but we live in a world that is hopeless. A lot of people don't want to uh, talk about or admit it, but when you were born on, in this world, um, you are on a path that leads directly to hell right? Right? There is no hope in that, but what Jesus has done has given us hope. Given us hope. He has made it possible for us to walk worthy and fully pleasing to the Father. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. I want you to consider for a moment what that means. You have been delivered from the power of darkness. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute because there's another verse uh, that, that helps us understand that better. He has redeemed us. That's the word I'm going to keep coming back to, redeemed. I'm going to give you a little better explanation of that uh, in a minute or so. He has reconciled us. What does that mean? That Jesus has restored the relationship that we were created to have with God the Father. We have been reconciled to the Father through Jesus. Again, follows up with that. Jesus has made peace between us and the Father. He has made us holy and blameless. That's important. Holy and blameless. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. He has perfected us. Because of Jesus, we have received Jesus. That sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? That has to do with the, the mystery of Christ. Paul writes about the mystery of Christ multiple times in Colossians. And I want to just uh, touch on that just briefly here. What is the mystery of Christ? First off, the mystery is a hidden or a sacred truth. And you got to remember, we're in the transition time between the Old Testament and the New Testament where um, uh, things in the Old Testament, got, there were some things there hidden. Now we're in the New Testament times when, when Paul is writing this, and God has revealed that hidden truth. The Holy Spirit has revealed that hidden truth. Well, what is that hidden truth? It's Jesus. And how does it pertain to us? Well, it's Jesus in us. But how does it pertain to us? Everybody knew that the nation of Israel was God's chosen people. But now, man, this is a wonderful truth. Paul is speaking to the Gentiles now. That's most of us out here. I, I think he's speaking to the Gentiles. We have been invited in to this wonderful promise that God made to his people. We haven't, uh, and this promise has been revealed to us of Christ in us. Christ in us. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, continuing on, but that's the, that's the mystery of Christ. Christ in you. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. We have been given the mind and heart of Jesus. Let that sink in for a minute. We've been given the mind and heart of Jesus. We have been made complete in Jesus. We have been rare, buried and raised to life. Um, 
In Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Let me make, uh, put that in layman's turn. The man or woman that you were is dead and buried. Gone. The old is gone. The new has come. I got a question for you. How often do you go out and dig up a corpse? Anybody do that regularly? No? Don't do it. The old is gone. The new has come. Forget that old man. Forget that old woman. Leave him in the grave. Live the new you that Jesus has made you. You have been made alive. You have been made, I'm sorry, and you are forgiven. Let me just tell you this, your sins are as far from you as the east is from the west. You don't want to dig up the old corpse. You don't want to bring back your old sins. Do not live in them. Do not relive in the regrets of the past failures, but live in the glory of who you now are in Jesus. Forgiven. Forgiven. When we go on, um, it's in, in uh, Colossians 2.15. I told you to think about you have been uh, uh, freed from the powers of darkness. This goes hand in hand with this. I want you to pay close attention to this. Uh, 2.15 says, to our benefit, Jesus has disarmed all powers and principalities. And let me use different wording for that. He has disarmed the demons and evil spirits and made a spectacle of them. I asked you a minute ago to consider what it means that he has delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. Consider also that he has disarmed powers and principalities. Could that mean that the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy and his army of fallen angels only have as much authority in your life as you allow them to? Now, don't misunderstand me. If something tragic has happened in your life, uh, that's not your fault. But if the enemy is stealing your joy, if he's holding you hostage, if he is hindering you from enjoying the abundant life that Jesus came uh, to provide for you, you are allowing him authority in your life that he does not have on his own. John 4.4 reminds us, 1 John 4.4 reminds us that greater is he living in me, that's Jesus, right, than he that is living in the world. Jesus has disarmed the uh, powers and principalities. He has disarmed them. Do not give them back the authority in your life. In Christ, it says he has, you have put off the old man. You have been renewed in knowledge according to the image of Jesus. Here's another one I like. We have been made equal. Well, what's that mean? There is no longer Jew and Gentile. There is no longer slave or free. And a little song that I used to sing back in Sunday school popped in my head. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Let me add something to that. Red and yellow, black and white. They are equal in His sight. We are all sons and daughters of the Most High God. Equal in His sight. We are chosen by God. We are made holy. We are loved. And again, the thing of what Paul finishes out with, we are forgiven. Anybody thankful for forgiveness? Amen. Amen. Mm. Yeah, you can clap. That's good. I want to remind you, too, that this message is in the past tense. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a slow learner. 
So there's some of these things that Jesus has done for me, and I'm just catching on, all right? Takes me a little while. There's some of us that hear it and have been changed in an instant because Jesus has provided. And there are still some things that, that will, will happen for us, glorified body and, and all these, uh, these things that Jesus does for us will be perfected once we're in heaven. But these are blessings here that Jesus has done for, and this is not past tense. He did, the, the word does not say that Jesus is going to do this for you. It says it has been done. It has been done. Not someday, but you have been given now. It is now. So I think we can separate the, uh, um, the room in here, and, and I hope this isn't offensive to anybody, but we can separate the room in here into two groups. Those of us who have been radically changed by Jesus Christ and those of us who Jesus is waiting to change today. Does that make sense? Either you have been changed or you can be changed radically today. And some of us think, well, I think I've been changed, but I'm not radically changed. If you're not radically changed, you do not understand what Jesus has done for you. Jesus changes everything. He changes our being. We are no longer children. I said it a little, I'm sorry. We are no longer, I said a little this uh, a little earlier before I prayed, but we are no longer children or slaves of the enemy, right? Because when we are born into this world, we are children of the enemy. Slaves to the enemy. We are bound for an eternity in hell. It's not what we are any longer in Jesus. He has changed that. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. No longer separated from God because of our sinful nature, but seen as perfect, holy, blameless, above reproach, and invited into a relationship with God of the universe. Do you believe that? I hope you believe it. If you don't believe it, if you don't understand it, ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you so that you would understand who you now are in Jesus. I want to tell you something amazing. When God looks at me, do you know who He sees? Jesus. Jesus. That's unbelievable. He sees Jesus. He does not see who I was. He does not see my failures. He does not see my sins. He does not see my past, my regrets, or the times in life when I was a complete idiot. And there's a big list of them, unfortunately. That is not what he sees. He does not even see my short little list of good works that I've been able to accomplish in the uh, last 150 years. That's how old my children think I am, I think. No, he sees Jesus. And he sees the new man that he has made me. Forgiven, holy, blameless, set apart, a beloved son who is blessed beyond compare. So let me, take, let me tell you this, that if you have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ, that is what he sees when he looks at you. Not your past, not your failures, not your sins. He sees a beloved child. Beloved child. That is a wonderful truth. What can we say to that truth? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to throw out just a note, too, here for, for those of us that uh, struggle with self-worth. 
If you have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ, you are a beloved child of God. You are holy, blameless, perfect, pleasing, and worthwhile. But that pleasing, you think about that, you are pleasing to God the Father. If you are hearing a conflicting message as to who you are, it is from the enemy who only has as much authority in your life as you allow him. And by the authority of Jesus in your life, I know this isn't good, but you need to tell him to shut up and go home. My, my little sister used to always tell me, shut up isn't not nice. <laughs> I know what she meant. But sometimes we're allowed to say that. When the enemy is messing in your life, filling your heads with lies, Jesus has given you the authority in his name, through his power, to tell him to shut up and leave me alone. That's not who I am. God tells me who I am. Hmm. So what brings about this change? I told you I want to use the word redeemed. Uh, we'll talk about redeemed a little bit more. Um, what brings about this radical change in our, our life? It is because we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I want to give you a little example. Um, and those of you, I never want to dwell on the past, but I think this is a good picture that I can share with you. Um, we had some stuff taken from us uh, some time ago. And one of the items I got back, but I had to buy it back. Kind of, sort of. I had to pay a lot to get it out of the, where it was. And, um, and how crazy is that? That was mine. I already bought it once. Why should I have to pay for it again? Um, it's interesting. Maybe God allowed that because it gave me a picture of what redemption is. Do you know that God created life and it was his? This earth, this universe, the world, he created it for himself. He made mankind so he could have relation, and they were his. But it was stolen from him. Actually, I think it was stolen, but ultimately, Adam gave it away. He gave it to the enemy. And you know what? So, so redeemed, you know what God had to do? He had to buy it back. He had to buy back what was his already, what was made by him him. He had to buy it back. What was the price of that redemption? What did it cost to redeem us? Make it personal. To redeem you so that you could once again be a, a, a child of God. I'm going to say a possession because it doesn't, it's not a bad thing to be a possession of God. Right? What did it cost for you to be a possession of God again? Cost Jesus everything, right? That's redemption. That's what brought about the change. You were born into this world, a slave, a child of the enemy, on a one-way path to hell. That's not politically correct. People wouldn't want to hear that, but that is the truth. And what God did was send a son to redeem us back. And I want to... Just, uh, I'm going to hit on this a little bit more too um, as, we, as we move on, go further down through this message. But I want you to know that the work of redemption is complete. There is nothing that you can do 
to add to that work. There is nothing that you need to do to add to that work. The work of redemption is complete in Jesus Christ. He hung on the cross, bleeding, dying, and said, it is finished. The price was paid. He said, Father, I bought them back for you. And isn't it cool? All we have to do is say, yeah, yeah, I want to be your child. Yeah, because of what Jesus did, I accept it. Isn't that awesome that's all we have to do? We don't have to check off a box. We don't have to work through a list. We just accept what Jesus has done for us. He changes everything. Uh, Frank and Patrick have worked through, already been working through Colossians, and, and we see how this change kind of plays out in our life, or how it should uh, play out. It changes our being. We know that because now we have Jesus in us. We have the mind of Christ. We have the heart of Christ. It changes, uh, Jesus changes our being. But it also, uh, that, that redemption, uh, that change should play out in our lives, and we've talked about it already. It should uh, change our relationships, right? I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church now, and she, as I submit to Jesus, and she's supposed to submit to me. And I'm supposed to not exasperate my children, and my children are supposed to uh, obey. You're laughing, Mr. Jack. You know I do that, don't you? My children are supposed to obey me, right? Um, if you're a, uh, a boss, you're supposed to treat your employees like Jesus taught us how to. But you know, I came to a conclusion this week to everything that Jesus did, everything that he taught was for our benefit. Reading, I'm, I'm jumping books, forgive me for that. I'm going back to the Sermon on the Mount. All that stuff Jesus said in there, Teaching us how to live is for our benefit. It's not rules and regulations and you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't. No, it's do this. I have come so that you may have life. If you live this way, whoo, you'll enjoy life. If you live this way, like I'm telling you, oh, it'll be great. Life will be grand and glorious. I ask my children a lot of times when I come, was your day grand and glorious? Or I tell them, have a grand and glorious day. I know it's stupid, but I think about it. If we do what Jesus told us to do, life would be grand and glorious. Wonderful. Everything he did, everything he taught was for our benefit. We got the easy part. All we got to do is accept it. Yes, Lord. That's wonderful. I'll do that. I'll do that. So it should change this change that Jesus, this redemption that Jesus brings uh, uh, to us changes everything, our relationships. Um, I think today we'll see that, and, and I haven't even gotten to the Scripture we're supposed to talk about yet today, have I? But it is so wonderful to see what Jesus has done for us. And I think what we can look at this, this, this talk this morning, I'll call it, this is what Jesus has done for us. If then, and I'll use that term, uh, Frank says, if you have been risen with Christ, 
To me, that just doesn't sound right. My Bible says if you have been raised with Christ. I think that's a better way to say it. I'm going to say if you have been raised with Christ. But that's what all this truth is that I've been talking about. If you have been raised with Christ, then. That's what, what Paul was doing in Colossians. So we're going to hit another part of the then today. But it is wonderful to look at what Jesus has done for us and what we should look like if we have been raised uh, with Jesus. So, um, so at any rate, we're gonna, I'm going to try to get on to the, the verses that I'm supposed to be preaching on this morning right now. So um, again, if we, if we kind of follow that premise, this is who Jesus is. This is who you are in Jesus. And if that is the truth, then this is how you should live. So with that being said, um, we talk that, that Jesus changes everything. He changes our relationships, and I think um, changes our being, changes our relationship, and today we'll see he changes our priority. Um, so I'm going to tell you, if you have been changed, if, again, if you're in that category of the, the group that have been radically changed by Jesus, if you have been recha- uh, changed and redeemed, then you have a calling and a wonderful opportunity to you, a, a, a wonderful opportunity. I want to make it clear again uh, that the work of redemption is complete. But if you have been changed by Jesus, you can become a tool of redemption. Does that make sense? A tool of redemption. And, um, so how do we do that? Um, let's see, I guess I should read. What do you think? Read the passage that we're supposed to be talking about this morning. I'm going to read for you, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. It's Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Continue earnestly in prayer. I'm going to make a side note here real quick. Anybody that knows him understands this. Continue earnestly in prayer. I think of Mike Shadle every time I read that. I know you didn't want that, Mike, but I wanted to throw that out. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let me just make a little side note here. Redeeming the time. It's kind of uh, the same word, but it's a different usage. Um, This has a picture of making the most of an opportunity. Redeeming the time. It's like an investor finding a piece of beachfront property that's beautiful, perfect, greatest thing ever, and they're selling it for $50,000. Redeem it. Buy it up. Make the most of the opportunity. So let me just, uh, I'm going to read that. Uh, read that verse again, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity. I'll continue on in verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So we have a calling if we have been raised with Jesus, if 
we have been radically changed by him, if we are enjoying the benefit of redemption, to be a tool of redemption. And what exactly does that mean? I talked about having hope. We live in a world without hope. Amen? You've seen it. We live in a world where there's a lot of people that do not have hope because they don't have Jesus. We live in a world where there's a lot of defeated, discouraged people who are slaves to this world, children of the enemy. They are hurting, full of sorrow. They need redemption. Jesus has already done the work, but they need somebody to share it with them. And I want to I make this clear to you too. For a long time, I, was just, I used to pray in the morning, Lord, give me an opportunity to share, your, share the gospel. I had a wrong idea what that meant. Give me an opportunity to share the gospel with people, with somebody today for you. And it wouldn't happen because I didn't get to go through the Romans road and lead them to the Lord. I thought, oh, I missed out again. Now I get up the next morning, Lord, help me. Give me an opportunity. Because I thought that's what it meant to be a tool of redemption. I thought that's what it meant to be sharing the gospel with everybody around me. But I think the Lord has made it clear to me and it, and it has taken some pressure off. And I think this, will, this truth will take some pressure off of some of you too. I, I know a guy, he's part of our family. He knows who I'm talking about. Who talked to anybody. Say anything to anybody. Walk up on the street to a complete stranger and tell them about Jesus. That's not who I am. That's not who God has made me to be. But he has given me opportunities to treat people with respect, uh, to have good relationships with them, to serve them. Now I'm doing that in the name of Jesus most of the time with the motivation that sometime I might have the opportunity to talk to him a little bit more about what Jesus has done for me. But it is each one of our calling to share the gospel with, with those around us by living it out, living out what Jesus taught. Well, how do you do that? First off, you devote yourself to prayer. That change, that's a change in priorities, right? So uh, how do you... Yeah, I knew I'd get an amen from you on that, my friend. Uh, and I'll just have... Mike, I know you're, you, this might make you uncomfortable. I've got a lot, of, a lot of people praying for me and encouraging me. I love it. But Mike is always sending me texts, sending me emails. I'm praying earnestly for you. He prayed for me all week. So I'll tell you, if you learn anything from this message, first off, thank the Lord, and then thank Mike for his, thank, for his uh, faithful praying to the Lord because he asked him over. I think it's because he knows I couldn't do it on my own. He said, Lord, Andy can't do this. He's an idiot. <laughs> Give him some words. So, uh, uh, since we had that pause here for a minute, I got a joke for you. <laughs> what do you call pigs playing tug of war? Pulled pork. You know it. <laughs> Pulled pork. My grace. Uh, that, that's her joke. I stole it from her. So that has nothing to do with the message, but I, <laughs> I figured I needed to get a laugh out of you to ease the tension maybe. So uh, 
Um, so at any rate, the first thing, you want to change in priority? You want to live to share the gospel with people? Devote yourself to prayer. What does that mean? Does that mean like this all day long? Now, there's a time and place for that, but you can't do anything like that. You need to be up. Have your time on your face with the Lord, but then get up and do what he's called you to do and work. Warren Wiersbe said that uh, you ought to just keep an ongoing conversation with the Lord so that praying is as natural as breathing. That's what it means to devote yourself to prayer. You say, well, I, I, can't, I can't be on my face all day and get work done. I got a time for No, prayer should be throughout your day. That relationship with the Lord should be throughout your, throughout your day. I, uh, um, I think Stonewall Jackson is a pretty cool guy. I won't say anything else. Uh, too, I won't get too much into that. But what was said about him was you could not disconnect him from his faith. Does that make sense to you? He was not one person on Sunday morning at church and then another person out here the rest of the week. They said you could not disconnect him from his faith. That's how we need to be. That's how we need to be with prayer. Need to devote ourselves. Pray faithfully. Here's another thing. God does not need to be bugged. But don't ask him one time and be done with it. Sometimes he answers you immediately. Sometimes he doesn't because he's building character and faith. There's also a matter of angels and things going on in the spirit world and all that, which is a huge subject I can't get on today. But pray. Pray faithfully, fervently. I like it says, uh, pray, uh, be vigilant in your prayer. That means watchful. And I think there's a couple ways you can do that. Well, in Nehemiah, they talked about, I'm watching time too, because I'm running out. Um, in in Nehemiah, um, they talked about the, uh, um, when, when they were rebuilding the walls, the, the workers were rebuilding the walls. They were being vigilant. Talks about them having a sword in one hand because the enemies were on their way and a trowel in the other hand. I don't know how they did that because then they couldn't pick up stones, but you got the idea. That's vigilant. That's being vigilant. We are supposed to be vigilant in our prayer. Be watchful. Thinking, I just want to add this to be watchful of what the Lord is doing, but also be watchful of that the Lord has already done. I don't do this, but somebody told me this the other day, I should. They journal their prayer request, what they're praying for, and when and how God answers it so they can look back. How many times do you pray for something, kind of forget about it, and then realize, oh, God answered that prayer. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. So be watchful, be vigilant. Uh, be faithful when you're praying. Um, walk in wisdom. What does that mean to walk in wisdom? I'm going to simplify for you. Protect your testimony. Um, there is a, uh, uh, a pastor named uh, Dr. Halton. I don't know if I'm saying that well known or saying that right. He's a well known pastor who died in 1946. After accepting a position to lead a church in Atlanta, a member of the community hired a private detective to follow him around. After two weeks, he proved to live what he preached, and the citizen of Atlanta is now a redeemed citizen of the kingdom of God because Dr. Halton walked in wisdom. He practiced what he preached. He did not. How many times do we ruin our testimony because we're not walking in wisdom? 
And then when the opportunity arises, or maybe the opportunity never comes to really share the redemption story of Jesus, we miss it because we ruin our testimony. Why do you protect your testimony? So the gospel can be preached if the opportunity arises. Um, Paul uh, goes on to say, let your speech be with grace. I talk to Grace, my daughter, all the time. So I think, cool, I'm there. My speech is with Grace. Then I realized that's not what he was talking about. So um, speak the truth in love. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I told you I'm a slow learner. I was an arrogant young man when I came to faith. And I was quick to tell you what the truth was. Um, makes me sad thinking who I was. Makes me happy that the Lord is changing me, and I'm still changing. There is no room in the gospel for arrogance or condemnation. We speak the truth in love. Sometimes use words, right? Does that make sense? I've heard that before. But uh, speak the truth in love. Why? So when people see that you're different and they want to know more, you have an opportunity to tell them about the redemption story of Jesus. Right? Um, I'm really running out of time here, so I just want to throw out a couple things. It says, season your words with salt, right? or, or um, with grace with salt. What does salt do for you? Who eats, who eats French fries out here without salt on them? Miss, I'm sorry, I love you. You're a wonderful lady. You're crazy. <laughs> you can't eat French fries without salt. I can eat one French fry without salt. Man, you put salt on them, I eat them till they're gone and I don't want more. Salt makes you want more. Season your speech with salt. Why? So people want to know more. The people want to know more about that mystery of Christ, of Jesus in you. I'm going to kind of sum this up now. Jesus changes everything. He should change our actions, our thoughts, our relationships, our priorities and motivation. And we talked about what I wanted to try to hit home here in the last uh, two and a half minutes, whatever it was. Um, what, our, what should our priority be? Priority should be to do the will of the Father. Why did Jesus come there? Oh, I'm not, I won't set you up for that question. I don't set it up right tell you, Jesus came to this earth to live and die for us, ultimately to follow, to fulfill the will of the Father. It was the will of the Father that our relationship with him would be reconciled. And, and as crazy as it sounds, it was the will of the Father for Jesus to hang on the cross and die for us so we could be redeemed. So our motivation, when, when Jesus changes you, should change your motivation. Our motivation now should be to do the will of the Father. What, what is it to do the will of the Father? To share the story of redemption. To share the gospel with, uh, uh, with everyone that you meet. So um, I'm going to leave you with two questions here this morning. Have you been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and been radically changed? And I'm not going to ask you, you know what? I am going to ask you, have you been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and been radically changed? Yes. yes. Amen. Proclaim it. Proclaim it. It's a wonderful thing. If you couldn't say yes to that, let today be the day that Jesus changes you. 
I want to remind you again, there are two camps we can be in. We can be in this one where we have already been radically changed by Jesus. We have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. We have been given life. Or we can be over here where Jesus is saying, come on, let it be today. Accept the gift. Be redeemed. If you're over here, get over here, please. Before we leave today, please, please, you might not have tomorrow. I don't want to use a scare tactic on you. You might have 100 years. Well, that's dumb. You might have 10, 20, 30 years left. Not everybody's living as old as me, right? Um, you, might, you might be gone today, and then you don't have another opportunity. But you might have 20, 30 more years. Do you want to live the same way for all the rest of that time? Or do you want to share in the abundant life, the wonderful redemption that Jesus provided for you? If you're not here, make it today. Make it today. Second question. For those of us who have been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ, for those of us who are enjoying that wonderful redemption, are you a tool of redemption? Are you sharing the gospel with everyone you meet by living out the example Jesus set for us? If you are not, I want to encourage you to let today be the day you... Trouble getting it out. Let today be the day that you become a tool of redemption for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for your wonderful word. It is amazing when we get a glimpse of who you are and then can look in your word and see what you have done for us and we can see how much you love us and we can experience the change that you bring to our life. You are awesome. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Amen.